Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. If you like the podcast, make sure to share with your friends as well as donate on Patreon if you're so inclined. Patreon.com slash Brandon Mackey is where you can find me. Since played four games this week, uh, they followed up Monday's trade deadline with a 4-3 overtime loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. In a back-to-back on Tuesday night, they fell 3-2 to the Nashville Predators. Thursday, again, on home ice, they defeated the Vancouver Canucks 5-2 in Bobby Ryan's return to Ottawa. We'll get to that one uh, later in the show. And Saturday, the Sens finally won a shootout 4-3 against the Detroit Red Wings. My guest today is a YouTuber. Yes, he is probably the biggest uh, YouTuber covering the Ottawa Senators. He has over 600 subscribers. He's been doing this for years now. Super consistent. Uh, does recaps after every game. Covers every major event. You should definitely go subscribe to his channel if you haven't. Guys, his name is Brandon Plant, and you may better know him as Sense Talk. Enjoy. Okay, Brandon, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Brandon. Appreciate it. All right. So let, before we get rolling here, let's just, uh, why don't you give the viewers or the listeners, Jesus, a brief rundown of kind of what you do, how you became a Sense fan. Give them the whole lowdown on who you are, man. Sure thing. So firstly, you can check me out on YouTube at Sense Talk or on Twitter at Sense Talk underscore. I'm sure you're seeing me on either platform. Uh, since April 2013, I've been covering the Senators after every single Sense game. I pride myself on that. Um, you know, recapping the games, giving my analysis and interacting with the fans. Um, it's been a great ride, specifically in the last few years. Uh, my viewership has gone up a credible amount. Um, and, you know, I became a Sense fan because I'm an, I'm an Ottawa native and, you know, um, in a town like us, you know, we're a big city, but technically it doesn't really feel like that. So when you're growing up, uh, when you have a team like Ottawa, especially growing up, they were really good, you know, 20, 2003 and then 2007 really drawn me. And of course that's yeah, yep. and I was hooked from then. So yeah, you know, Alfie, uh, you got Heatley. Those guys really just gave me the love for the sport, the speed, the passion, you know, that's just, I just been hooked since. Awesome. Yeah, one thing I really like about you is, um, well, obviously, like you said, um, you know, there's there's not much when it comes to Sens coverage on YouTube and whatnot, right? There's not a lot of people in the kind of game that you're in. But uh, you mentioned that you do the, the recaps after every game, and that's one thing I really like about what you do, man, is the consistency. That's so important, you know. There's so many people that do stuff, and, you know, they'll take, like, months off or whatever with no warning. But you, every game, every time something happens, you're making a video up. So kudos to you. That's that's kind of what attracted me to your channel in the first place, and I really I really enjoy that aspect of it. What's funny, though, is uh, when I was in Mexico and when I was in Florida, you know, I'm very lucky to go on these type of vacations and uh, with my family. And uh, my friends who I go on vacation with are like, I can't believe you're doing these videos when you're on vacation. And I'm like, I have a tie to this team and I have a commitment to my brand. Right. So I feel the fans that watch my videos, um, I don't want to disappoint them. That's what I do them for. And, uh, you know, it's been fun ride, especially the last few years we've really grown and, you know, it's fun doing it in Mexico and Florida, but yeah, it just shows commitment that you as well have, uh, with your recaps and silver seven cents, you know, it's just when you have a passion for a thing, especially like a team like Ottawa, 
um, and you grew up with it, it just never leaves you, you know? Yeah, it's, it's in my blood. And I'm lucky at Silver 7 to have such a great team. You know, we got an amazing staff of writers there. And that, that, that just makes life easy. So the Sens did play last night. Um, they played the Detroit Red Wings, the bottom-feeding, god-awful Detroit Red Wings. So and ended up winning it in a shootout. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, firstly, I thought Ottawa really came out flying to begin with. Uh, you know, the first four or five minutes, they were looking like, uh, you know, like the top team in the league, and Detroit was looking like Detroit. Uh, but Shabbat was doing, doing too much early on in that first period. I think we all can agree. Shabbat uh, mm-hmm. was just trying to push the play, was trying to do too much. He has to keep it simple and basic. That's how you get success, right? So that first uh, five, that first goal for Detroit in the first five minutes, uh, this was proof of that because Shabbat really turned that over and allowed that goal. Um, but, you know, I think Ottawa calmed down after that first period, got their stuff together. Um, and, you know, the power plays really came in handy. Artie Party was really good. And, you know, mm-hmm. Ottawa uh, played like the better team because they should be because I don't think you could be worse than Detroit. Um, and just looking at the stats right now, Art- Artem and Isimov alone, two goals, a shootout winner. He had 10 shots on goal last night. He got Brady. He's been a workhorse this year. Uh, might be the first player in NHL history with 300 shots and 300 hits in a single year. He put seven shots and three hits last night, including a block. So, you know, the team is playing well when they can and when they want to, and they're also losing when they need to to get that first pick. So overall, good game last night, uh, good win for the home crowd, which was a solid attendance, and you know, overall, fun game. For sure, I think uh, yeah, you you pretty much nailed everything there. I I agree on Shabbat. That was actually one of my first thoughts Gosh. as the game started. Was he's just trying to do way too much. He had the turn the turnover that led to the first goal and. It's hard to really fault him for it because in, in this kind of year, who cares, right? Like this is the exact season to take those kind of risks and try to make those plays. Uh, and I, I say this, and I, I don't know if everyone agrees, but I kind of he kind of reminds me a lot of Carlson when he was young in that way, you know? Very... Like you can tell he's a competitive guy and he doesn't, he doesn't like losing. So, so he really tries to take things into his own hands a lot and try to kind of will his team to victory every night. So... I love Shabbat, but I mean, he he sh- he just does have to simplify, and I'd like them to stop playing him like a hundred minutes a game. It's that's just why, it's just too much. much. What's right that? There, that's exactly why we shouldn't have traded Demello, because if you put Demello on the ice, you can decrease Shabbat's minutes. But now you have who you can put England. Like you have no one to put. No offense to England, but you have no guys that can really stop like top lines except Shabbat, really. So yeah, yeah I didn't like the trade. You know, a third round picks, whatever you can add it for. You know, a move up in the draft, you could throw that third rounder in but at the end of the day is that really worth that is that third rounder really worth it when you're playing Shabbat 30 minutes a night in a year you're gonna not make the playoff it's stupid no I I don't agree that the third rounder was worth it at all and I said that at the time right like it was the return wasn't enough um and especially now when you consider Ottawa's situation on the blue line with Borvietsky injured it seems like he's gonna be done if not for the year then for pretty close to it um, and you've got Brandstrom and Willannon who are going to be glued to Belleville barring some catastrophe. Lassie Thompson's in Europe. There's real no solutions, especially now that the deadline's passed. But mentioning DeMello, um, I think that's a good little segue into our next topic here. Let's talk about the trade deadline. It seems like it was forever ago now, but it was just uh, just about a week ago. Sens made uh, four deals on the day, I believe, all in all. Uh, the first one was Vladislav Nemesnikov to Colorado, which I predicted. Good on me yeah. for for a fourth round pick. Uh, well, I'll start with you. Like, what do you think on that one, Brandon? 
you know what, Vladislav Nemesikov, we got our pick back from the Rangers, so it's really a uh, wash. You know, it's I would have liked the third rounder, but the guy only got 25 points on the year. You weren't going to get much more than a third or a fourth, so I can't really argue too much about that. Um, and we got the pick back. It is what it is. It's better than him get traded and go win a cup than stay in Ottawa and we lose a fourth rounder. It's It's just another trade piece to move up in the draft, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, a lot of people were upset about that pick, and it and it surprised me. Um, it is a twenty twenty one pick, which is you know, which obviously not being till next year. This is looking like it's a strong. This year's draft looks like it's going to be stronger. One of the strongest in league history. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I, I don't understand why people are so upset about it. I mean, a fourth round pick is pretty much that's, a fourth round pick. Been, that sends Twitter and that's the senator's fan base to you. You know, I love I love us all, but we like to complain a lot. So reasonably yeah. so, but we do like to complain. So we'll find a way to complain about anything. Yeah, it, it, it's passion, though. You know what I mean? Like, I would rather them complain about stuff all the time than not care about anything, you know, because that's when, you know, you don't have a good fan base. And I, I love sense Twitter. Our fan base is great. Don't even get me started by sense Twitter. It's a great place to be, you know, all the different opinions. It's you got the Melnick bots, you got the Melnick supporters, you have the Melnick out guys, you got the guys in the middle. The good thing though is the Sens fan base is committed, they're passionate, and the apathy hasn't set in completely, which is very important because once apathy sets in, you're screwed. So it's, yeah. right. it's good. And it's crazy that it hasn't, you know. Um You've seen Eric Carlson, Mark Stone, all these guys get traded, and you still got lunatics chopping rotisserie chickens with two-meter broads. Yeah, I love that. That tells, so, that tells you what you need to know about this fan base. Exactly. Uh, so the next trade was, it happened not long after the Nemesnikov trade, and this one flabbergasted me. One, I didn't think it was going to happen this early in the day, and two, the return just blew me away. So the Sens traded Jean-Gabriel Pajot to the New York Islanders for a 2021st uh, lottery protected, but not like it matters, a 2022nd and a 2022 third that is conditional on the Islanders winning the cup this year. So I definitely have my thoughts on this one, but uh, as always, we'll start with you, Brandon. Why don't you give us your take on that one? Well, I think Pierre Dorian has been thrown into a really bad spot, you know, with Eugene Melnick and him telling him to trade literally everybody possible, you know, in a bag of pucks. I think this Pajot deal was a home run for Pierre Dorian, you know. Uh, it was looking bad. It was looking like they might keep him after the deadline. It was looking like they would only get a second and a prospect. Getting a guaranteed first rounder is a home run for Pierre Dorian, especially in a draft this deep. Um, and, you know, players late in the 20th, 2025 overall selections where Islanders might be able to make the playoffs. Um, that's a solid, solid add to the Senators draft pool. I think Pierre Dorian with just a first and a C-level prospect would have been good. If he got a second round or two home run deal for Pierre Dorian. One of his better deals for sure. Yeah. I, I thought Ottawa had missed out on their chance to get the first round pick. I thought they were only going to get that if they traded him in november december and then he kind of cooled off and it's like okay maybe we'll get a second and a prospect that's that's what i was hoping for and i said on last week's episode with colin i said if you can't get that for him you might as well keep him on a team friendly deal you know but then we come to find out what his ask was and it was just way too much term yeah way too much term the money was fine i'm fine with pajot for five million a year but, but uh for six years taking him till he's 33 i just i I, I definitely couldn't stomach that. But when I saw that return, like if you remember the, the tweets that came in from the insiders first was it's Pajot for a, a big return, like multiple pieces or something so like was, that. I was shocked. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, what the hell are they going to get? And then not, I, not only do they get a first, but they get a second and a conditional third. That is 
bananas. Even if they don't get the third man, like like that, 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 that's a steal, and that'll that might end up being a decent first round pick too. You know what I mean? Like it'll likely be top twenty. We got to keep I in think. mind here. It could be a top 20 pick, but we also have like four first round, second rounders in this draft. We can add our, our, first, our second rounder, which is going to be a top five pick in the second round and move yeah. up five or six spots and select somebody nice. So this deal gives Ottawa options, and that's what you need when you're in rebuild. Yeah, I'm of the opinion that I don't really want them to move up unless you're moving up for like a Lafreniere or a Byfield. And even, oh, then, yeah. and even then, that return is going to be – you'd have to give up so much to get one of those guys, right? So – I, um, I, I like the idea of them trading for a, a player more than I do them trading up in the draft. You know, but I, know, think, like, I think if they're going to trade for a player, it's going to be a defenseman. Uh, the four quarters could be fine next year with like Formentin, Batherson, and Norris coming up. Yeah. Um, and maybe Schlappick too, throw them in there in bolsters. Um, but, you know, the defense is depleted, and JBD is not J- J- Jacob Bernard Docker, for those mm-hmm. listening, um, is not going to be ready for the NHL next year. He'll be in the Belleville. Uh, Lassie Thompson should get uh, time in Belleville. Well, Lannan and Branny might get some time up here, but really Ottawa needs a couple of solid defensemen to eat up some cap space for a year or two and help stabilize the back end. Yeah, well, I, I think Will Lannan's an NHL defenseman. I think the only reason that he's in Belleville this year is just because of the injury, right? So, so we'll, we'll see him in Ottawa, I think, the full season next year. I agree. Uh, Brandstrom too, honestly, he's tearing it up in the AHL. I think, you know, if we don't see him for the full season in Ottawa, he'll be there at least the majority. Like yeah. it, it gets to a point where a guy doesn't really have anything to learn anymore. You know, um, yeah, they're both he, right. Yeah. He kind of got a lot of flack this year just because of, you know, and everyone was, you know, giving it to him, but like people forget he's 19. You know, also, people are forgetting that defensemen and goaltenders, I'll throw them in here, develop at a much slower pace than forwards because they need to learn how to offensively play yeah. and defensively play. Not like a forward who just has to focus on scoring and back-checking. Defenseman yeah. has to be both and man the blue line. So it takes a lot for a defenseman to develop, and he's still really young. Mm-hmm. He's a solid defenseman, maybe a star. I'm not worried about him at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, as far as JBD goes, I think think we might see him in Ottawa he's got um I don't know I don't I, w- I don't want to say his game is pro ready you know what I mean because obviously it looks so like good. it but yeah you know what the thing that strikes me about him is his poise you know he, he looks like a very calm player he very rarely panics and does anything stupid he's got a nice two-way style to his game we saw that at the world juniors you know he had some offensive touch and he threw some monster hits exactly I like so, the big yeah, so I, I, I like him a lot. Lassie, I think, is probably more pro-ready than JBD. Um, I don't know if he's better, but I think he'll make that jump quicker just because he's, one, he's used to playing against men in Finland this year. That's going to be huge for his development. And two, um, I think he's a little uh, – I don't know. I don't want to say he's bigger. But, uh, but that and being the right-handed shot, JBD is the right-handed shot. But Lassie has the advantage of playing against men, I think. So I think if one of them is going to make the jump next year, it'll probably be Lassie. It makes sense, though. You're you're right. He's playing against older men in Finland, who which is a very good league. Yep. There, yep. you know, got some good players that come out of there. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I can't disagree with you. I could see it going either way, but yeah, I could see Lassie for sure manning the blue line in Ottawa next year. I could also see him going back up and down from Belleville to Ottawa. We'll see. It's going to be definitely interesting seeing a trade um, uh, training camp. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the one after that was the Tyler Ennis trade to Edmonton yeah. for a fifth-round pick. I didn't like that one at all, to tell you the truth. I think a fifth-round pick was underwhelming considering the season you know, Ennis is having. Yeah, um, 
he's on pace for 20 something goals yeah yeah yeah. and you and you get less for him than you do for nemesnikov i don't get that one this trade was a panic trade i think this 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 trade was just done to make a trade i don't quite understand this because after this they acquired matthew pekka it makes no sense why not just keep tyler ennis he already has the chemistry um he's helping the boys in the locker room become men he's helping uh helping with the veteran presence I don't know. I, he was on a cheap deal. You can keep him next year, too, for a warm body, 12-13 type of guy, depending on the way it goes. He's a solid player. I don't know why we traded him. If it was for a third-round pick, I get it. For a fifth, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I don't think you make this trade unless you know that uh, Ennis isn't coming back next That's year. Fair. You know, I think, you know, obviously I, I don't know any of this. I'm not on the inside with the Senators organization. But... I don't think Dorian would have been totally opposed to bringing Tyler Ennis back next year, considering, you know, the impact he's had this year. He's clearly still got some game and, you know, he was, he was liked in the locker room. He was doing a lot of good things for the young guys. So I think he was probably asking for a little more than the Sens wanted to give, which, you know, that's a story we've heard a million times, but but this one, I kind of get it. I mean, if you can't, if you know, you're not going to be able to bring him back next year, then I'm fine with just, you know, getting him for at least something. It's not like Ottawa's hurting for draft picks anyway. So if you're only getting for a fifth for Ennis, it's not the end of the world. But that top six in Edmonton now is just ridiculous. I was watching that game last night, Edmonton versus Winnipeg. Firstly, Dreisaitl is an animal. He remi- that Edmonton's basically the new Penguins, in my opinion. You got McDavid the next Crosby, you got Dreisaitl the next uh, Malkin. They're, he's a workhorse. And then you got Nugent Hopkins firing that game winner with five minutes left. Uh, they have a solid four-line rotation going on. That top six is solid, but the four lines now are really rotating well because there's no dependency only on the top two lines, specifically the top two guys. So Edmonton's a dark horse, in my opinion. I think people are underestimating them um, because they're looking at teams like the Avalanche. They're looking at teams like the Stars and uh, uh, Blues. Uh, but I really can see Edmonton making a run here because Smith is playing out of his mind, and that team is gelling really well at the right time. Yeah, the one thing that kind of separates them from other teams for me is they don't really have a game breaker on the blue line, you know? Like they got Darnell Nurse who's a nice defenseman and uh Bear and Bear's done well, but uh but you know, like you mentioned Colorado, they don't have a Kale McCarr or a Sam Gerrard. Oh, I agree. And you the win this league, you need a good a good goaltending which they have, but they you also need a puck mover on the blue line. Uh, so they're hoping that Mike Green, when he comes back from that MCL injury, can be that. They're hoping, I assume, that Adam Larson needs to step it up. Uh, but they've really been depleted with injuries. So maybe we can see Bouchard. Uh, if I don't know if Bakersfield's doing well, their HL guy, but a uh, team. But uh, Bouchard had some success in the NHL last like year. Maybe they call him up for the playoffs, you know? Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I mean – yeah. The, the other thing, too, is their goaltending. They don't really have a long-term solution, right? Like, they have like they got Koskinen and Smith, both who are guys who, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're both on the wrong side of 30. They're mid-30s. I think Koskinen is younger than Smith, but they're both 30-plus. Yeah. yeah, that's what took me aback when they extended him last year. With, yeah, his, with his age, like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The differences with goalies, like with Koskinen, I think I can look it up right now. I believe he's, like, 33, 34. Uh, and goalies, you have a solid five years left with that. Uh, but Mike Smith, I think he's like closer to Craig Anderson's age. So that didn't, uh, there's no answer with Mike Smith for the next few years. You maybe have him for a couple more years. Uh, but I believe they have a goalie named Stuart Skinner uh, who's developing nicely. Uh, and he could be the future guy, but they do need a guy long term there. Yeah. But yeah, you know, all in all for Ottawa, I'll, I'll take a fifth for Ennis. I'm not thrilled with it, but 
it, you know, considering the Pajot trade, Dorian pretty much could have punched me in the face and I still would have wanted to hug him. You know, like that's that's an unbelievable return. You take the uh, return run with it. Yeah, exactly. And the last trade of the day was Aaron Luchuk and I believe a seventh round pick to Montreal for uh, Matthew Pekka. I might have called him Mike earlier or I might call him Mike at some point. Um, but as far as that one goes, uh, what do you think, Brandon? You know what? I think that Ennis trade was done because he wasn't going to resign. So this trade was necessary to keep the boys and uh, in Belleville, you know, so they can go on a Calder Cup trophy run. Um, I think this deal, I just feel bad for Aaron LeChuck, to be honest with you. This guy got traded three times in a month from this organization. So, you know, kind of got screwed over. Um, but, you know, he's going to do well and hopefully in Laval for them. So he's a solid player for Montreal to get. Uh, you know, he was doing well in the ECHL this year. And I'm not saying he's going to be a National Hockey League superstar, but he definitely could be a serviceable player in the future. The seventh-round picks is a throw-in. But for Ottawa, Matthew Pekka, I've been impressed with him so far. You know, him and uh, Howdyuk, uh, the Jace Howdyuk, the guy we got from Winnipeg, uh, not Winnipeg, Florida, off waivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been impressed with both, uh, especially Howdyuk. He's really – I think they should keep him next year as a fourth-liner, maybe him with, like, Schlappick or something. Uh, I like that. But Pekka, he's been all right. He's doing what he needs to do. He's skating. He's producing a little bit so it is what it is it's a minor deal but really if you look at these warm bodies that we brought in like we did a couple years like last year um how yuck has really impressed me and he's making me want to keep him for another year he's reminding me of a young nick paul oh wow um yeah i i, I don't hate harlock to tell you the truth um you know it, it's like you said warm body uh sorry if you can hear all this thumping by the way there's apparently a herd of elephants above me in my apartment but <laughs> Jesus, but uh, but yeah, Harlock, I don't mind. Uh, he's kind of hit and miss with me. You know, he'll draw a nice penalty, and I'll go, oh, okay, that's a good job, and then he'll take a that bad penalty, and I'll be like, yeah. you know. Uh, as far as you mentioned about being, you know, a serviceable fourth line guy, I, I, I think that's, I think that's not a bad idea at all. Listen, a lot of people were kind of pessimistic about the Pekka trade, and I, I don't mind him. I've always not minded Matthew Pekka. Um. I think he's got he's got pro speed, right? I think he's had some injury yeah. problems, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, as far as he's looked on in this Ottawa bottom six now, it, he doesn't look totally out of place, which I guess isn't saying much because Ottawa's an age, a glorified AHL team. Right yeah. <laughs> With Matthew Pekka, you're getting a player that has NHL experience who can put the puck on net and just maybe get some results and just play the next 20 games. That's what you're getting out of him. That's what we're getting. Um, overall, though, small deal. And maybe it's a big deal for Pekka, though, because yeah. this is another chance of an NHL uh, opportunity. So uh, if I'm Matthew Pekka, he's played decently. I think he's gotten a couple of points. Uh, keep on playing hard. Get the puck on that. Prove to DJ Smith that you are uh, a hard worker, and maybe you'll get yourself a, a contract. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Colin White comes back, too. Because they, they looked pretty good together. White scored a goal on that line with him against the Blue Jackets before he got yeah. hurt. Uh, but, yeah, if I have to bring one of them back next year, I'm probably bringing Harlech back. Just be- Yeah, I think he's just a little more refined. You know, he's got kind of less uh, – he's got less edges to his game. He brings more to the table, too. Just Agreed. The for a fourth line is what you need on a cheap deal. That's exactly what you want to build a contender. And he's the type of guy that you can keep there for – couple of years you know uh he's hungry to keep staying in the nhl and he's playing hard i like it uh hopefully he can turn to the next nick paul 
Yeah, earlier in the year, I was kind of I th- I, th- I don't know if he'll be Paul just because Paul's got the size on him and I think he protects the puck a little better. His shot's a little further ahead too. Nick Paul's got a cannon of a shot. Unreal. But but, uh, but yeah, I was kind of banging the drum earlier that maybe Schlopik should be packaged, you know, as part of a deal to get a better NHL player, just because I don't know how high his ceiling is. It's but he's been really underwhelming for me the last couple of years. Yeah, he has. Like everybody's pretty high on him, but I've been kind of like, eh, you know. And as as he gets older now too, it's like, okay, you got to start showing me something. But I I've liked him lately, to tell you the truth. I I liked what he's done, you know, in Ottawa over the last couple of games. Uh, he scored a nice goal against Nashville the other night. Uh, but yeah, so I wouldn't be opposed to a, a fourth line next year that included Schlopik and Harluck. I mean, next, next year you just, I think you throw all the best young players on the ice and you see what happens, right? Like, you know, Bathers, Batherson's going to be a full-time NHL player next year. Logan Brown's hopefully going to be a full-time NHL player next year. You're going to get hopefully at least two of those first round picks will be full-time NHL players next year. I think if they're top 10 picks and the expectations that they're going to be playing in the NHL, right? Especially if you get a Lafreniere or a Byfield, I don't think any of those, there's any way either of those guys are going back to junior. So yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't hate that at all. If I'm going to, if I'm going to be truthful, about Philip Schlappick ever since uh, I, I found people were too high on this guy, you know, he never really showed me, much more than a bottom six guy. People are saying top six guy, top six guy. I'm like, I don't know. I think I still hold this um, claim. He's a third or fourth liner. He's an NHL player for sure. Agreed. However, people were way too high on this guy, especially looking at all the talent Otto has now in the pipeline. I see this guy. I project him as maybe a third liner, definitely a fourth liner. Um, you know, he plays a good defensive game, doesn't really have much offensive touch in the NHL. Uh, you don't really, unlike, like, Yesterday, we saw Josh Norris get multiple chances. You don't really see that with Philip Schlappick. You do see him make some defensive plays, though. So a t- bottom six role is probably where he's going to end up in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, I like Norris's game a lot, man, the last couple times that he's been up. he's uh, He's got that obvious chemistry with Brady Kachuk. And, uh, and Bobby. Line, yeah, the line with Bobby Ryan, I like, too. Um, you want which, me to actually – I can read you some stats here. I got it from Murray Pam. Great follow on Twitter if you haven't already. Yeah, let's do it. Because last night, uh, Josh Norris was fantastic. And uh, just pulling up here. Okay, so uh, Murray Pam, Ottawa, obviously resigned uh, Josh Norris. He's back in Belleville. But last night, he averaged about 18 minutes on the ice. He had nine shots on goal in his NHL debut in the last few games. He won 30 of his first 49 faceoffs. That's really good. He's playing good. He's getting chances. I like what he's doing. Yeah, and it's so refreshing to see these young players get these opportunities too, right? Under Guy Boucher's team, you know, the infamous, yeah, the infamous you can't feed steak to a baby line or whatever it was, whatever ridiculous thing that he said. Like, it's um, it's so nice, you know, Josh Norris never played an NHL game before and then he comes up and plays two, I think he played three. And, you know, he's averaging between 16 and 18 minutes a night. like With power play. And power play time, yeah. I mean, and that's the problem, right? Like a lot of coaches, they bring up these skill players and they try to put them on these third and fourth checking lines because they've got to earn their way up or whatever. It's like, well, I've never believed in that philosophy. Asking, no, me neither. You're asking, you're asking a guy to play a completely different role. Now, if you're going to play him on the third or fourth line and give him those type of minutes, but you're going to have him not focus on defense and play his offensive game, that's one thing, right? But like, if you're if you're going to try to tell him okay, kid, you're a 50-point guy in the NHL. Now go shut down the other team's top line. It's like, well, and they're going to be like, well, what the hell? Like, what? I, you know? Like, exactly. that makes sense. 
that's why we saw like Mike Hoffman when he, with Dave Cameron. You know, he was sort of a lazy player, but when you put him on the third, fourth line, you're going to ruin his morale. And he's just, he's not a checking forward. He's a no. sleeper. And we, we saw that. Remember that McDavid goal uh, where he just completely undressed him? Yep. That shows what you need to know about types of skilled players. They are there to play with skill, not checking. So when you have a guy like Batherson, you don't put him on the fourth line. You don't put him on the third line. You give him second, top six minutes, and you give him power play time. That's what you do. That's how you develop them. Because a player, firstly, he's nervous coming up to the National Hockey League. So you want to make them as comfortable as possible and keep it as simple as possible so he plays his game. You don't want him to play fourth line minutes, get limited opportunities, ruin his confidence. You want to give him the minutes he deserves. And if he doesn't, you send him back to the AHL and hope for the best when he gets called up again. For sure. So if you had to give the Sens an overall grade from the deadline, what would you give them? Well, if you take away the Pajot deal, I give it a, a D. But with Pajot, it's definitely an A. Uh, overall, that Pajot deal, like I said earlier, home run deal. Um, you know, getting a first for a guy like Pajot on a deal that we could not sign long term. That was just un- unreal, the amount of term he wanted. So love Pajot, but a great deal for Ottawa, an A for Pierre Dorian. But the other deals were underwhelming, to be uh, quite frankly honest. But... Pajot deal, put it up to an A because that was just a home run. Yeah, I'll give him an A minus just because I think the other deals were lukewarm, but that was an A plus trade, the Pajot. Like, I don't think you could have maximized that return anymore. A first, a second, and a third, that is just, that's chef kiss right there. That's that's perfect, (laughs) right? Uh, But we mentioned that Josh Norris was having some chemistry with Bobby Ryan, and I would be remiss in my duties as host of this esteemed podcast if we did not discuss what the hell transpired on Thursday night with Bobby Ryan against the Vancouver Canucks. A hat trick in his return to Ottawa. Brandon, man, I I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. I mentioned that I think the last time I felt something similar to that was when Andy shut out the Oilers after Nicole's cancer diagnosis. Uh, That was just, that was, I don't have the words to you. Am I re- yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, I need to have the words because I do recaps after every game. And you know what? That recap was just – I spent like five or the eight minutes of that video just talking about Bobby and how happy we are as a city to see him doing better and healthier. Uh, Bobby Ryan, that game gave me goosebumps. The way he came out to score that goal, the way he got into that fight with Tanev, he wants to prove himself to the city. He wants to prove himself to his wife. He wants to prove himself to his family and the team that he is healthier He's happier, and he's ready to play hockey and move on. I like what he did. I love it. And the, the the best part of this was Bobby Ryan getting the ovation that he deserved from the fans and the Canadian Tire Center. That was a beautiful moment. And I think it would have been the same thing for Anderson, like in Edmonton. Like, I brought that up in my video, too. But that Bobby Ryan moment where they're just chanting his name, and he's d- deservingly so getting emotional on the bench, just one of the top moments in Sanders' regular season history. I can't think of something better than other than that Anderson shutout. That was just a beautiful moment and a beautiful showcasing from Bobby and, of course, Sanders' faithful. Yeah, I wrote a piece yesterday about, you know, what Bobby Ryan means to us as fans. And he's certainly not Daniel Alfredson or Jason Spezza or Eric Carlson or Mark Stone, but he has nonetheless left an impact on this fan base that – I that I think truly sets him apart from any other player, right? You we take it back to the 2017 playoffs. Bobby Ryan was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. Yeah, playoff Bobby, man. He had 15 points in uh, 19 games. Yep. Like two overtime winners. He just found another level. I so, remember 
I remember I was at that playoff game against Boston in the first round, first game. That's the game where we didn't allow them to get any shots in the second and then gave up two in the third. I was at the game, and when Bobby scored, the celebration from Bobby alone, I'm like, this is, there's something, he he just looked different. He looked different. He fed off the energy, and he kept it going throughout the playoffs. Let's talk about that run for a second, eh? That run was, what a run. Man, I could talk all day about that run. It was funny. Um if you know anything about me, uh, I was a collegiate football player up until last year. I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I was on scholarship at U of T, and uh, thanks. But uh, yeah, I ended up stopped playing because of, stopping playing because of concussions. But what happened? But what happened was uh, that summer was the year before I went to U of T, so I was still at home in Sudbury, and I was playing rep football, and I ended up getting a knee injury right before the season. Uh, of course, right before, right before camp. Uh, and I was, you know, I was just, I was devastated. I was not in a good place, but being at home laid up for six weeks with a bad knee allowed me to watch pretty much the entirety of that run. Right. Yeah. So it was just a huge blessing in disguise. It just happened so perfectly and it really took my mind off everything. And it reminded me of how much I love this team and how much I loved hockey. Right. I was at game five against the Rangers when, uh, oh. when they tied in. Yeah. When they tied it in the last minute and Taurus won it. And I've told this story a million times, but right before Right before the overtime started, I, my dad looks at me and he goes, yeah. he goes, you know, who do you have to win the game? Who's going to score? And I said, Taurus. Obviously. Feeling, right? And then yeah. he said, uh, and he goes, and who from the Rangers? I said, no, nah, it doesn't matter. Taurus is going to score. They're going to win. And wouldn't you know it, it went, it turned out that way, right? So, but yeah, Bob, Bobby was just incredible. Like the, the game one, against, the overtime winner against the Penguins in game one. The, tie, oh. the tying goal in game six against the Penguins where he looked yeah. up at the rafters and he just roared. Like, Roar. it was just, he was just unbelievable. And I saw some semblance of that guy on Thursday night, you know. Um, you know, and just from a hockey perspective, that's really encouraging. Because Bobby Ryan at his best, he'll never be the player he was in Anaheim when he was young. Yeah. But he's still a hell of a hockey player. He's got a great nose for the net. His shot, despite all the hand injuries, is really good. We saw that on the second goal. Um, and and he's got that leadership aspect, right? He'll throw hits. He's willing to fight. Like Bobby Ryan, I think, is a guy you want to have around for the next few years of this rebuild. I think people are forgetting that he's a second overall pick. The guy has skill. Yep. And I yep. know he has hand injuries, you know, very yep. famous hand injuries. It's been an unfortunate, unfortunate uh, thing that's been going on for the last few years for him. But this guy has hands, serious hands and great dangles. Remember that uh, that goal against the Kings a few years ago? The of course goal against I do, Kings. yeah. So, he has hands, and I think now he's healthier, happier, and the confidence is going to come back. We're going to see those hands very soon. I think so too. I think Bobby's going to have a really good year next year. Obviously, bearing you know everything goes well off the ice and hockey aside, that's what I'm hoping for. Right at the end of the day, I don't care if Bobby Ryan never plays another game for the Ottawa Senators. I just want him to be healthy and happy and in a good place. You know, and I think I, I think we all do. You know, he's just meant so much. He's given us so many good memories. Uh, just even the first day he got to Ottawa, right? Like the car, the, the Alfredson, le- Alfredson leaving was just devastating. It was devastating to this fan base. Um, it's it was a feeling that to this day I don't think has been replicated, um, even with Carlson and Stone. But uh, and then Bobby, you know that trade happens and everyone was so excited and he made the tweet said Ottawa, I'm coming in hot. Like Bobby Ryan, since the day Ottawa acquired him, has just been phenomenal for this city, for the city and for this fan base. For sure, I think what I think what needs to be said is he has a newborn, I believe, a daughter, right? I I'm not sure, but he has a newborn and a wife, 
And the fact that he's finally healthy, finally sober, that is the home run about this. So Patrick is a is you know a son is dessert, but the main meal is the fact that he's healthy and happy. And I think as a tight knit group in Ottawa and a tight knit community in Ottawa too, like Bobby Ryan said, we couldn't be happy for him. I can give less of a damn if he plays another game in the NHL. I'm just happy to see him, like you said, happy, healthy, and sober. It's just great. He just looks like a different person. You know, you just look at his interviews. He looks like a different guy. And, you know, I'm happy for him, you know, as any any person should be. I'm very happy for him. Yeah, he's a guy that's been through a lot. So to see him catch a break and kind of start to get things on track, it was a great feeling. And uh, that, that, that backstory from his childhood, just he's gone through the ringer in his life. And to see him firstly go through that through his childhood, if you haven't heard that story, look it up on Google. He is not afraid of telling it. He wrote an article in the Players' Tribune. Yep. Um, but, you know, the fact that he went through that adversity with his mom, terrible stuff that happened and then became a second overall pick nhl top nhl player 250 plus goals that this is just a historic story a inspiring story and bobby ryan it's nice to see that this is going to be a happy ending it looks like yeah so here's another little interesting fact that i remembered the other day that uh a lot of people don't 2010 vancouver olympics oh in the gold medal game, oh baby! In overtime, the United States of America hit the crossbar, and the guy that hit the crossbar was none other than Bobby, <laughs> Bobby Ryan. Ryan, the guy who can't spell intensity, according to Brian Burke. Ah, uh, But uh, now that we're on the topic, Friday was the anniversary the anniversary of the golden goal and i figured you know since that was such a huge moment for the game and you know for our country uh brandon i figured i'd throw it to you first uh give me your memories of that day where you were when it happened the whole ball of wax first thing that comes to mind is the fact that the roof of the house i was in always blew off <laughs> just i think the whole country yelled so loud you could hear it from mars you know yep. it was, i think everyone can agree that listening to this and you too Everyone remembers where they were Absolutely. when that goal went to the net. When he called for Iggy to pass that puck, and he just uh, slid it between the legs of Ron Miller. Um, I was with my family and friends. Like most people were watching the Olympics, you know, proud Canadians. And seeing that goal just – I was young. I'm I'm 18, so in 2010, that was – you know, I was a little young, so I didn't yeah. really get the idea of it. But I do – that was when I was starting to really get into hockey because of 2007, the cup run. And that goal – it's I rewatch that goal. I, I say maybe once a once a month. That 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 goal just something that you'll never have. Hopefully, I don't think you can never have that happen again. An overtime winner to win the gold medal on home soil, just like you said, chef's kiss. Wow. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize that you were that much younger than me. I'm 22 this year. Jesus, I'm feeling old for a change. I'm usually making the other silver seven riders feel old. But but yeah, man. Um, I remember that one clear as day. Uh, so I would have been closer to 12, I guess. Yeah. So it was funny because I actually had a hockey game that day and we were, you know, we were stalling, like putting it off, waiting to, uh, wait until the game ended, obviously. And, uh, my, we're a big hockey family, right? Me, my mom, my dad, my little brother. And, you know, so my brother was obviously pretty young at that time. He's 16 months younger than me, but uh, it was me and him and my dad in the in the living room. My mom was in the kitchen. Like I remember every th- aspect of it, right? And yeah, and um, and the kitchen has a full view of the TV, so mom got to watch too. But 
but yeah, so I remember it went to overtime. Uh, we were we were scared as hell after that Paris Day goal. We were feeling so rough. I remember I, if I could just yeah, sure, sure. I just remember sitting there and just the gasp. Yeah, <laughs> so deflating. It's like air coming out of a balloon. I'm like, I thought it was like most people. I'm like, Canada has this right, and then yeah. they. Yeah. Where I'm like, ah. Oh crap it was awful everyone was so ready to celebrate and then the wind just got taken out of everyone's sails but yeah my dad was laying on the couch watching or sitting on the couch and i was standing up and when crosby scored i leapt across like i must have been like almost across the room and just jumped on him and tackled him on the couch right like we just freaked out like it was like we were on the team and we had just won you know what i mean it was an incredible feeling to this day i watch i don't know i'm a sentimental guy but like I, I to this day I watch that goal and I get I get misty eyed. You know what I mean? Like I, I get choked up. I get goosebumps. Like I, I'll get goosebumps for the rest of my life watching that goal. That oh, goal yeah. is just I'm speechless. That goal still has me speechless. I have goosebumps even right now. I'm not yeah. kidding. I'm talking about yeah. it. that goal, just the memories, the celebration, and it's the way that brought the community of Canada together. We're a community. We're a small country. Technically, for sure, for sure. it brought us all together. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say something, though. When you said um, that celebration, it reminds me of a couple of throwback goals for Ottawa. Um, I remember um, 2013. Remember that Penguin series? Yeah, of course. And I remember there was a minute and a half left. I'm in Laval. Well, minute left. I'm in Laval with my dad because he lives there. We'll live there. And I was watching. I'm like, oh, crap. We're about to go down 3 nothing. My dad's like, just wait. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, for what? He's like, wait. And then... Alfie to deflect that goal past Bokun. I just remember, like you said, just giving my dad the biggest hug. Like I just won the <laughs> It was insane. And then when Greening deposited that overtime goal, I think we woke up the whole building. It was insane. Just just want to throw that in there because that 2013 run is just I. There's so many memorable things out of that, and I know it was a small run, only the second round, but yeah, yeah. not a lot of moments out of that one. Yeah, I'll 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 throw you one back to um, 2010 playoffs against the Penguins. Uh, I remember when they were in game five and they were playing, they were in Pittsburgh. They were on the verge of elimination, trying to send it back to Ottawa. And, uh, I remember it went to overtime and my dad, my dad's not a Sens fan, but he was cheering for the Sens cause he hates the Penguins. Right. And, uh, he said to me, he said, Hey, like, you know, if Ottawa scores, like don't freak out cause mom's upstairs sleeping, you know? And, uh, I was like, okay, like I'll do my best. And uh, they get to, I think it was the third overtime or whatever it was. Yep. And, and Karkner scores. And I didn't say boo. And my dad jumps out of his chair and yells, yes, at the top of his, at the top of his lungs. Uh, woke, yeah, woke, woke my mom up and everything. So, yeah, that was a good one. Like, I, I like that. That was because um, that's a good memory, too. That was, that's, a, that was one, that's one that doesn't get talked about as much anymore. But that was a fun series, too. Third overtime goal. Just squeak through uh, the wickets of the goalie. Just I remember that one. The grinder defenseman. Yeah, but I do remember that one. Matt Carkner, Ottawa native. Great one for him. Yeah. So, so yeah. Let's. Do uh, you want to get to some questions? Sure thing. Perfect. So uh, yeah, guys, hit me up with some questions. Every podcast, even if I don't have a guest on, I'd love to answer your questions, your comments, whatever you got for me. You can hit me up at Brandon Mackey Six. I usually. Um, I usually post asking questions. You can also tweet the pod at internal budget, or you can email me at internal budget pod uh, at gmail.com. 
So first question today comes in from Noah. Who's the goalie of the future? There's a ton of options right now. You can find him at Noah underscore Luden, L-U-D-E-N. Brandon, take it away, man. Well, firstly, just talk about Noah for a second. He's actually one of the – him and I started SenseTalk together. Uh, Okay. Yeah, so if you go back to the beginning of the videos on my channel, you'll get to see Noah. He's a great follow on Twitter, a big Eagles fan. Give him a follow. Um, But the goalie of the future, good question. You look at Joey Decord, you look at Marcus Hogberg, who's going to be the starting goalie next year with Anders Nelson, I think. You look at Gustafson, and then you got like guys like Mandelis, Sogard, uh, etc. So, you know, right now, I can't say. Right now, what I'm saying is Marcus Hogberg has proved to be an NHL goalie, but I do think that Decord has leapfrogged uh, Gustafson in the rankings. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but I think that's what it is right now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say leapfrogged just because I don't think the disparity is that wide. Like yeah. Gust, like Gustafson was still goalie of the month in uh, January, right? For the AHL. He's really turned around this year, Gustafson. Yeah, definitely. So I think right now you can only go off what you have, right? Like what we've seen now. And to me, it's got to be Hogberg uh, just because of the way he's playing right now, right? Like Gustafson and Decord are awesome. But um, you still don't know what they're going to be because we haven't really seen them against NHL competition, right? So for me right now, it's going to be Marcus Hogberg, um, but that could obviously be subject to change. Like we didn't even mention Matt Sogard. You know what big I mean? Guy. He's a big guy, but we don't, know, we don't know enough about him. I can't talk about a guy I don't really know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I wanted to, before we get to the next question, if that's yeah, shoot, to, what I wanted to say about Marcus Hogberg is when you see a goalie come in after – Last year didn't do too well. You know, he made some saves, but it was really wasn't really making the big stop. When you yeah. see a goalie like Marcus Hogberg make the big save five times a game at least at a young age and force the team into overtime every game because they're crap, that tells you this guy is ready for the NHL. So I completely agree. He has the big save factor, which is exactly what you want from a National Hockey League starting goalie. Absolutely. So let's move to the next one. Uh, this one comes in from Cooper at Cooper207. Prospects in the draft and where players three to seven would fit into the lineup in NHL next for next year. So I guess we'll just do the we'll do the three to seven there. Um, for three to seven, uh, it's obviously got to be Jamie Drysdale. I think he's a guy who will make the NHL jump right away. Uh, Cole Perfetti, I think, is going to surprise some people. Marco Rossi as well. Those are two guys I would look at from a Senators perspective because they need centermen badly. And Dawson Mercer is a nice player too. So those are three guys or four guys, I guess, who I think I would kind of be looking at for that three to seven spot. Uh, what do you think? Well, I agree with those, but we're also not looking at Stutzel out of Germany, right? Stutzel, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, he has some great skill. I think this draft, you can't go wrong. You really can't go wrong. Uh, unless you don't draft Lefrenier first overall. You can't go wrong in this draft. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if uh, if I'm looking at this, I'm happy with any of them. The only one that concerns me, though, is Marco Rossi. Has all the skill in the world, and I don't want to sound like a whole old hockey guy, but he's short and small. Yes. So if he can play like Brendan Gallagher, get in the dirty areas and never give up, he'll do well. But I hope he doesn't falter and, um, you know, I don't know what the proper word is, but I just hope he can play hard against top competition like in the NHL because when you're shorter, you're at a big disadvantage. So hopefully he can, his skill can mask that disadvantage. Yeah, unless you're Connor McDavid, you do need some, you do, you do need a little bit of size at the number one center spot. So maybe not him. Um, uh, Lucas Raymond, Lucas Raymond's another one that could be top seven too. So yeah. top five maybe. Yeah, big time. 
Uh, okay, next one. Um, this one actually, in keeping with what we were just talking about, um, comes in from Senzai uh, at OTT Senzai E Y E on Twitter. Byfield or Stutzel? You can take that one because my answer is going to be real short. Yeah, it's going to be Byfield, quite obviously. Quinton Byfield uh, is the best player after Lafreniere in this draft. Uh, and if you want a top line center for your Ottawa Senators, that's going to be Quinton Byfield. Uh, the guy has speed, the guy has skill, and the guy has size. It's exactly what you want on your top line against opposing guys. So, yeah, it's Byfield by a long shot. But Stutzel is a good backup option, but Byfield for sure. Yeah, it, for me, it's at, at number two, it's Byfield or bust. There's just, you, you can't, guys that big, you know, I'm from Sudbury, so, uh, you know, I hear a lot about Byfield and I, and I watch him a little bit. Guys with that size should not be able to move and stick handle that way. And there's a lot of recency bias going on, I think, with the Stutzel thing because people didn't get a heavy dose of Byfield at the World Juniors. But you got to remember, he's almost a full year younger than Lafreniere. Right. And he's putting up similar points. He's had some injuries. He was out for a few weeks with a wrist injury just recently. Um, so next year, I think he's going to look like Lafreniere. He's definitely going to be an NHL ready guy. Uh, to me, the disparity after Lafreniere and Byfield is uh, much wider than people think. And that's to say nothing of how good those guys are. The guys from three onward are right, because it just speaks to how good, how fantastic that Byfield and Lafreniere are. I think. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I think you just look at the options after two. And if, usually there's a solid top three, top four. You know, have like in the draft yep. with Brady, you have, you know, Darlene, Sveshnikov, and then you have, for some reason, Kutniemi and then Kachuk. That was obvious. This year, it tells you how skilled this draft, this first round is, because we don't know. Drysdale can go fifth, he could go eighth. We don't know. So it just tells you about the amount of skill that we're getting in this draft. Yeah. Um, this one comes in from Tim Turf uh, at Tim Turf Seven. With our need for a center and our recent first-round picks of defensemen, if the best player available is Drysdale, do the Senators draft him or draft by need? How does he look compared to JBD or Thompson? I think that one def- depends a lot on where the pick is. Um, I think JBD and Thompson are more uh, NHL-ready than Drysdale, th- just because they're older. Uh, that said. Yeah, um, like I said, it, it depends. If the Senators get Byfield, for example, then you 100% take Drysdale with the next pick if he's available. But uh, but if but I don't know if you can, and it's going to depend on how guys finish the year too. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Perfetti or Rossi get taken, but I don't think you can take either of those guys over Drysdale. Uh, but yeah, to me, it depends on how everything else shakes out. Like, if you get Quentin Byfield, then you got to go Drysdale. Exactly, and on top of that, we're also we also have Josh Norris and Shane Pinto in the pipeline, so we have a solid um, Zabanjad uh, Turris, you know, flashback. You yeah, know, both if not better, they're both doing better in their rookie years. Uh, well, Pinto's really surprised us, but Norris has been unreal in AHL, surprising us even more. Um, you know, I think the need for a center is big. I think right now I'm comfortable of our future with Pinto and Norris, but I'd love to add like Byfield or something. But I think if Drysdale is there and you already drafted Lafreniere or Byfield, you're not, you have to take Drysdale. He's like the next Quinn Hughes. And there's no way you can't take a guy like this unless, unless, you know, um, you have the top two picks. You know, Drysdale is the type of guy that you want manning your blue line. He's a perfect compliment to be uh, below Thomas Shabbat. And that's, 
you have two puck movers and a couple and a few solid two-way guys like JBD, JBD, pardon me, Lassie Thompson. Then you have a lineman who can move the puck and Brandstrom. That blue line's really good. The offense is gonna be really good. So yeah, you don't draft by need. You draft by skill and what's the best. That's how you do it, and you deal with the consequences later. That's the way I view it. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. Um, yeah, we got time for one more here. This one's from Kevin K um, at Kevin underscore KSK nine. Do Norris Batherson and two and top two picks make the roster out of camp? Uh, I definitely think Norris and Batherson make the roster out of camp. Um, Batherson especially. Maybe Norris is a little bit of a question mark, but I don't see why he wouldn't. Uh, and uh, as far as top two picks, again, it's dependent on who they get. If it's any, if it's anyone in that top three, um, whether Lafreniere, Byfield, or Drysdale, or hopefully some combination of the three, um, then yeah, they definitely make it out of camp. Uh, after that, there's a little more room for guys who may or may not. I think Lucas Raymond, for example, would make it out of camp. Stutzel would probably make it out of camp. Um, Rossi or Perfetti may not. Um, Rossi but- or not, he used to play against adults to get used to it yeah i think i think you definitely could be on to something there uh what do you think for the as far as the rest of the answer goes okay what i think is to be truthful i think byfield and lafreniere and drysdale are the three guys that i don't see not make the nhl this year uh for any team after that you have to look at individually are they ready are they ready to play against top top guys are they ready to you know produce and what's the best route for them when you have a team like Ottawa where they're maybe going to contend for a playoff spot next year, probably not make it, but they're definitely going to be in the bubble, mediocre probably. That's what I'm expecting uh, with the two goalies there manning the the, the crease. Uh, I can see Ottawa drafting two in the top seven. And if it's not Drysdale, I could see Ottawa going the long-term route um, and giving the top pick like Byfield or Lafreniere in the NHL because they have the skill to be in the NHL. And a guy like uh, uh, Lucas Raymond, Perfetti, et cetera, Great players, but I could see them definitely getting some time available to sharpen them. That's that's just my opinion, but I just see Ottawa seems to like to develop them long term because of that Curtis are. They're scared of what happened with them, so I could see them developing develop, developing them long term. For sure, I think you're 100 percent right. And Brandon, my friend, I think that is a perfect note to wrap up on. Uh, thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, always happy to have influential people in the Sense community come on the podcast, uh, especially for episode seven. This is a wrap yeah. on episode seven, man. So uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Okay, so firstly, uh, we have a website, sensetalkcenter.com. Please check us out. We upload, uh, we add our videos there every single day when they're uploaded. We also have our live tweets there. Speaking of tweets, check, out, check us out on Twitter, at sensetalk underscore. Uh, we live tweet every game. We give our my analysis. I break some news. I talk and interact with the fans, so hit me up there. YouTube, Sense Talk is look me up. You'll find me right away. Hate that red button, turn it gray. Give me some uh, subscription. I'd really appreciate that too. Brandon, thank you so much for having me on the show. The best, the best Brandon's in the Sense Army for sure. <laughs> thank you again for coming on, man. Uh, as always, folks, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Mackey6. Uh, you can find the podcast at Internal Budget, and you can find my written work at Silver Seven Sense. This has been episode seven. If you enjoyed it, thank you. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And if you feel like it, throw me some money on Patreon. Why the hell not? Guys, thank you for joining us. (laughs) We really appreciate it. Uh, Next week, Matt Bostelar is coming on. We got Matt Bosty coming on the podcast. 
God help us all. Um, that one. Yeah, that one's going to be interesting. Uh, folks, thank you again. Enjoy your week, and we will see you for the next one. Take care.